listening to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, this morning. And since it's Wednesday, I'd like to welcome back on the program Cruzy McCalligan for our midweek audio column. Good morning, Cruz. Good morning, Noreen. It's wonderful to see you in it's, your capacity. Yes, it's wonderful to see you too. So what have you got for our listeners today? <clears throat> um, I have heard recently from many friends, some collaborators, people I know, about imposter syndrome. Have Ooh, you heard about imposter syndrome? I have. Yes imposter syndrome and a lot of people have described their partners their colleagues themselves as having imposter syndrome and so it's a bit of a change today for the audio column because I really wanted to talk about what this means because I feel like describing imposter syndrome or saying you have imposter syndrome is a syndrome in itself like it's like an epidemic <laughs> it seems that more and more people are saying that's true they have imposter syndrome before I go into what it what it means, would you ever describe yourself as feeling like you've had imposter syndrome? Yeah, I, there are definitely moments in my life where I felt like I had imposter syndrome, where I felt like, oh, am I really qualified or good enough to do this? Or have you ever? Oh, for sure. But I feel like as I've gotten older, um, I won't say wiser. I've said like, I think I've just reached capacity. I don't have the energy to put into having imposter syndrome anymore like I've definitely had it in the past now when we talk about imposter syndrome it is the internal psychological experience of feeling like a phony in some area of your life despite any success you've achieved in that area yeah. okay so you might have imposter syndrome if you find yourself consistently experiencing self-doubt even in areas where you typically excel it could feel like restlessness or nervousness. It may be negative self-talk. It could have, you could have even symptoms of anxiety or depression around imposter syndrome, but it's not a diagnosable mental illness at all. Instead, the term is usually narrowly applied to intelligence and achievement, although it has links to things like perfectionism and social context. So it's, it is really, really interesting. And the term was first used by two psychologists, Susanna Imms and Imez and Paul, um, Pauline Rose Clance in the 1970s. So it's not a super new idea, but I feel like I hear about it so much more recently. And it sounds like what how we use it is totally different to how it, what it's supposed to actually mean. Because nowadays we say, oh, I can't really do it. You know, imposter syndrome. We're kind of like using it as like a label without yes. the actual yes. real sort of anxiety or losing sleep about it. I mean, I might not want to give a speech about something or stand in front of 200 people to talk about a subject, but maybe it's not the same imposter syndrome as what you know. It's but I also to. think maybe it's that we're culturally at a place where people aren't necessarily always, and I have to say, predominantly women over men. Mm. Okay, I will, I, will yeah. I, I hear it from women much more than men. Even if men feel it, they don't vocalize it. Yeah. I feel like sometimes it's a way of women who have had a level of accomplishment and success having to undermine themselves to like check themselves so they can't say, you know what, you're right. I've been really successful this year. Or yes, you know, I, they, I was the right choice to be this keynote speaker because I'm an expert in my field. Like, Women would be like, oh, no, imposter syndrome. I feel like I shouldn't. There's probably someone who could do better than me. I'm, yeah, and I'll get found out. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, there's interestingly, there's one researcher called Dr. Valerie Young who's worked on this, and she has come up with five types of imposter syndrome. The first one is the perfectionist. So this type of imposter syndrome involves believing that unless you were absolutely perfect, you could have done better. Ooh. Okay. And you feel like an imposter because you're perfectionist traits make you believe you're not as good as others might think you are, right? 
That's the first type. The second is the expert. Now, the expert feels like an imposter because they don't know everything there is to know about a particular subject or topic or they haven't mastered every step in a process. Because there's always more for them to learn, they don't feel like they've reached the rank of expert. Like, you know, say like someone is an expert in climate change or an expert in something. Yeah, like when I book guests and they're like, oh, and, uh, you know, for example, an an academic. I'm like, you literally study this. You teach this. You are the expert. Like, oh, no, I think there's somebody out there better. I'm like, oh, you're the perfect person. Right. (laughs) But it's very interesting, isn't it? And you're like, what we're basically saying is, you know more about this than most people. Yeah. Like, you know, like no one can, no one is expecting you to know absolutely everything on earth about, because that's impossible, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. And <laughs> um, then you would have just completed, you would have completed life. Like there's just complete, like expert and everything. The third type is the natural genius. In this imposter syndrome type, you might feel like a fraud simply because you don't believe that you are naturally intelligent or competent. So if you don't get something right the first time around or it takes you longer to master a skill, you feel like an imposter. So you you feel like, oh, maybe you're naturally quite good at sort of throwing yourself into a new situation. And if you don't get it completely right, you think, oh, my gosh, I really failed this. The fourth type is the soloist. It's it's possible to feel like an imposter if you you had to ask for help to reach a certain level or status that you didn't get there on your own steam, for example. And um, you then question your own competence or abilities. If you've relied on other people, you've worked with other people to get to a certain stage, you think, no, no, I'm the soloist. Like, I must be an imposter because I, I have required other people. I'm obviously a big believer in interdependence in humanity, and I think we should all rely on one another to a degree. I don't think anyone is ever truly fully independent from any other human being. But I can understand this too. Now, the fifth type is the super person. This type of imposter syndrome involves believing that you must be at um, the hardest worker or reach the highest levels of achievement possible. And if you don't, you're a fraud. And I know a lot of people like this in Hong Kong. I know a lot of people um, who, from different industries, different sectors, who really feel like if they haven't reached the absolute ultimate, then they're just a fraud. Even though you like, but look where you are. Like, take a minute. Bef- you know, you're on the top of a big mountain. I know you're looking at the mountain one over, but you're already on the top of a big mountain. You know, would you say you've met people like that here? Absolutely, yeah. And it's so interesting the way you put it. Yeah, like they feel like there's still more, but then they're already at the top of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. it's very interesting. Um, but it's really interesting because. You know, for some people, imposter syndrome can fuel motivation to achieve, but this usually comes at the cost of experiencing constant anxiety. You might over-prepare or work much harder than necessary, for example, to make sure that nobody finds out you're a fraud, to make sure nobody can chink your armor and expose any kind of vulnerability that you have, even though everybody has vulnerability as part of being a human. (laughs) So it's a really complicated idea. Now, um, you know, people who experience imposter syndrome tend not to talk about how they are feeling with anyone and they can kind of struggle with it. I think unless you're using it as a way to sort of come across as humble, I think I find people use it as a way to kind of apologize to themselves and like diminish their success or diminish their hard work. You know, even if they're really ambitious, they'll be like, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I, I can't possibly I couldn't possibly. It's not. I know it's not really and just undermine all of the things they've done in their imposter syndrome yeah. with imposter syndrome you know um, but yeah so it's, it's a very interesting idea um, a lot of uh, some examples of what it's like to experience imposter syndrome consider 
include you've been working in a certain role for a couple of months, but when people call you by your formal title, you feel like a fraud because you haven't mastered that position. I found this because I'm I'm quite a I would like to think I'm quite a polite person, as I'm sure you are. And when we've ever spoken to guests for radio or have met people, and for example, if they are a doctor, if they have doctor as part of their title, if they are doctor whoever, um, I will use that. I'll say it's wonderful to meet you, doctor so so, and they'll say no, please. And I say, can I use that title when I'm describing you or talking about you or writing about you? Oh, I, I, I guess you can. I'm like, but you are. You don't just get to say that you're Dr. So-and-so. Even like, this is beyond medical doctor. These are people who are experts in their field, right? You know, I said, you can't just, it's there. Like, it's there. You nobody don't, else's one. You nobody else's earned it. You've earned it. Um, but yeah, the other thing is like if you started your own business, but you don't want to promote yourself because you feel like you're too new and, you know, there's others who might do these things better. Maybe you've been nominated for an award, but you feel like an imposter, um, you know, at the ceremony because you feel like, how can I be among these other incredible people? I wish I'd experienced this really. Thing. <laughs> I've never had that. But I mean, even then, that's me, you know, talking over myself, you know, anyway. A lot of the things people talk about um, the causes of imposter syndrome, why would people do this? And now in early studies, researchers found that imposter syndrome was connected to factors including early family dynamics and gender stereotypes, which is very interesting. That's why when you mention it, it's mostly women. Yeah, mostly women. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, sometimes this can be if you're from, and this would be very difficult and culturally, we know that in Hong Kong, people have very high expectations of their children, academically, professionally, um, and a lot of parenting styles can be characterized being very controlling or overprotective, you know, that you value high achievement very much. And so then, you know, you've, you've often never, no, no, you're never good enough in, in your family dynamic, which is not great to carry that forward with you into the rest of your life. It would easily create kind of imposter syndrome feelings. Um, but then we also know that entering a new role can trigger imposter syndrome. So for like, you know, even if you get into university, it's a big jump from like high school to university. And you might think, oh, my gosh, how am I even allowed in here? Everyone's so clever or whatever it is, that feeling of inadequacy. More I'm fish in a big pond. Yeah, totally. And like someone's going to find out they're going to find me out. That's the thing with imposter syndrome. I'm an imposter. They're going to find me out. Now, of course, certain personality traits also can just be more prone to imposter syndrome um, low self-efficacy this this is your belief in your ability to succeed um, perfectionism if you're quite a perfectionist in things that can also lead to um, imposter syndrome um, if you have some social anxiety um, it's a very very hard thing to do now Interestingly, people say to move past these feelings of imposter syndrome, you have to become comfortable in confronting some of the deeply ingrained beliefs you hold about yourself. And this, these might be things you don't even realize. So firstly, talk to other people about how you're feeling. Irrational beliefs tend to fester when they're hidden and we don't talk about them. Another thing is to focus on others. This seems counterintuitive because you're comparing yourself to others, but try to help others in the same situation as you. If someone who seems awkward or alone, ask them a question to bring them into a group, make them part of things. As you practice your skills, you'll build confidence in your own abilities as well. I love this idea of helping someone else when you feel like you need a bit of help. Yeah. I like that a lot too. Yeah. yeah. Giving um, them that little boost, but actually it'll boost yourself. Absolutely. Um, assess your abilities. So like if you have these feelings of like 
you know, I'm incompetent socially or in performance, like how I've performed, make a realistic assessment, write down your achievements and what you're good at, and then compare these with your self-assessment, like actually put it proof in the pudding, take a look at what you've done, right? Um, it's quite, you know, stop comparing. We've talked about this on the program before. Comparison is the thief of joy. It is. Um, so every time you compare yourself to others, you'll find some fault with yourself. That's just what's going to happen. Um, they also say <laughs> to use m social media moderately. Yeah. This is a big issue with imposter syndrome. Yeah. You're seeing other people's achievements, you're comparing, but actually there's nothing to compare, you know? Yeah. Other people live their lives and you live your own life. Totally. Yeah. And it can be, it can really relate to feelings of inferiority as well. Um, mm. So yeah, so it's very, very, it's very, very interesting, all these kind of ideas around imposter syndrome. What One fact I found particularly interesting about it was that it, um, that really for you to have imposter syndrome, you probably um, have a level of success. Because if you feel an imposter, you must be in a setting that you have progressed to. So it's like it's kind of contradictory in itself because you feel like you're going to be found out. But to be in a position that you feel like you're going to be found out. I mean, obviously, this is actual criminals and people who are deceived are completely not part of this description. Um, like, obviously, if you're an actual con man, it's yeah. a very different situation. But. Yeah, if you're, you're just an imposter, yeah, then not you are just... actually imposter, not imposter syndrome, right? Like, yes, you, you don't deserve to be there if you've actually done that. But the point is that, I mean, that if you're feeling like an imposter, then you must be in a situation that is showing that someone has, you are being recognized for some level of success, achievement, value, you know? Yeah. And so that's a nice reaffirming thing is if you're feeling, I don't know if I'm worthy of this, I actually think, well, this is an opportunity to feel that way because I must be, you know, it's kind of contradictory. Anyway, famous people often feel imposter syndrome. In fact, I'm sure many, 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 many people do. And I think it's becoming, um, as we see this change in like celebrity and what it means to be celebrity, and we're realizing a lot of celebrities, even with the success they have, even with the money they have, even with the lifestyles they have and the accomplishments are unhappy and lonely and feel like they have imposter syndrome too, right? So, um, but anyway. Well, uh, they do because they're actually like being imposters and pretending to be other oh, people sure? in the movie. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Okay. It's a yeah, <laughs> side effect of the career choice, for sure. Um, but one um, one person, the poet Maya Angelou, um, who is beautiful and amazing, no. yes, she admitted that she has often felt like a fraud. And she once was quoted saying, I have written 11 books, but each time I think, uh-oh, they're going to find out now. I've run a game on everybody and they're going to find me out. That's Maya Angelou <laughs> saying, like, whose words, you know, are absolutely exquisite, who is respected universally yeah. for her, her work. work. Um, and she is like, they're going to find me out. They're going to find me out. I'm not that good. And they're going to find me out. Yeah. So anyway, so anyway, so that's a bit, I mean, I can't resolve this. Essentially, if you really need to resolve it, I would recommend talking to a therapist. But, um, but it is something that I've just found. It comes up a lot. And I thought we'd just talk about what it actually means, because you might find yourself the next time trying to make an apology for why you were occupying space or in a position or something to just give yourself a beat and... Um, you know, appreciate you there for a reason if you're feeling like you shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, Cruz, this is such a great topic that you picked because, you know, I think it reaffirms some of like our, our self-belief and, and also dispels some of the thoughts that we have our, of ourselves so that other people have faith in us. So we need to also have faith in ourselves and the work that we have achieved. Well, meanwhile, thank you so much for your time today and I look forward to the next audio column. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.